Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 108, an interview with Corinne Crabtree on booze and weight loss. Hello, hello, hello. I have a very special treat for you today. Corinne Crabtree, a podcaster and hugely successful weight loss coach and host of the No BS Weight Loss Program, invited me on her podcast to talk about booze and weight loss. So this is the recording of that interview and conversation. I hope you enjoy and make sure you listen all the way to the end. Talk to you soon. All right, everybody, welcome back. So today I have a special treat. We have, um, well, she happens to be one of our Nobius women. She's also an amazing podcaster who has a really good drinking podcast, which all of you know, um, I have been talking about my drinking, working on my drinking. Um, It just is like one of those things that I'm just excited to have somebody here today because for the last... I would say a couple years I have really been, you know, like I worked on my weight and built a business and everything, but I always felt like my drinking was the next big thing that I really wanted to tackle for myself. And it was, and what I love about your work, Angela, let me just introduce you. This is Angela. I'm going to let her tell us all about herself in just a moment. But what I love about her work is um, this is for people like me who have never felt like I don't ever feel like I had a problem. What I have felt like is like, I don't like feeling like shit today because I got like things to do. I got goals and I started really thinking about drinking and there's a part of it that I love and there's a part of it that I don't. And it was, it's basically been the last two years, me defining the relationship that I really wanted with it. And I know you, you ended up dropping your drinking completely, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Angela dropped hers. I did not, but it is probably reduced 75% without it even feeling difficult. Yeah. And I it was that, the mindset. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. By oh, the you're way. welcome. I know. We're just like, we're just going to jump in. We're not going to introduce her. We're not going to do any yeah. of that shit. No, go ahead and say your thought and then we'll, I'll let people love it when I just get started. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. We'll jump <laughs> because in. Because so I'm like, no, tell me the good stuff. Seriously, right. I want to know the good stuff. Yes. No, I think a lot of times people get so worked up in their head about how hard it'll be, yeah. you know, and think like, I don't want to do that. It's not going to be fun. I'm not going to, you know, my relationships are going to change. What will people think? Like all of that head drama. And then once they actually try it, they're like, oh, I don't have to just give in to my urges in the moment. I can just say, oh, we're not, we don't need to do that tonight. And it's not that hard. I'm like, yes, right. <laughs> it does, it, a lot of times it's just not that hard. And of course it's our mindset and what we're thinking about it, but. It's so funny you say this because I'm literally creating all the content. I just finished creating content for our January three-day virtual event for our members. And I have been thinking about this really hard this last year because with COVID, you know, everybody just, it's like, we just all were like, okay, 
we don't use excuses, but COVID really, now that's like a legit thing. We should all gain weight. We should all eat. We should all drink, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have been thinking about weight loss in general. Like why do people, like why do they have a hard time getting started and all this other stuff? And COVID really sent people into a tailspin. And I figured it out. It's the process and our mindset about what's ahead of us. Mm-hmm. People really don't understand that they have a very, shitty mindset around what they're fixing to do. And then they're just dazed and confused. Like, but I don't understand why I'm not motivated. I hate everything in front of me. I think it's all going to be terrible. It's like, I'm the only way I could ever do it is through suffering. Now tell me why I'm not motivated. What do I need to do, Corinne, to get started? <laughs> like, I don't know. Get out of your own fucking way with your mindset. Seriously. You know? No, seriously. Like I am all about making it fun. Like when I first started doing this, so let's give the little introduction now. Yeah, so go I, ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, yes. I'm a life yeah, coach. We'll right back into it. <laughs> Corinne and I have, you know, we both got certified at the life coach school. So trained in very similar ways. I applied everything I learned before I became a coach to stop over drinking, lose a shit ton of weight. And my goal personally was never to stop drinking. Like I just wanted to stop over drinking and that, and I think this ties into the topic of the podcast about losing weight and stopping over drinking at the same time. I took on both of those things at the same time um, because I didn't want to have to spend a whole year. (laughs) Like tackling the over drinking or the weight loss and then doing the next, I'm like, why would I do that? Like, it makes sense for me in my head. And this is why I try to teach my clients too. It's like, if you're going to stop over drinking, you don't want to replace that behavior with food. Like you're not then going to get to the underlying issue to why you're over drinking in the first place. And it's the same thing with food. Like, you know, a lot of times people replace like, especially with like gastric bypass or a big issue like that, they'll like, oh, I'm going to drink. But they haven't addressed the underlying issue to why you're eating in the first place if you right. switch, right? So to me, it's like, you just expose it all and solve it at one time um, worked for me. And, you know, that's what we try to do, you know, in my program too, if there's weight loss goals and over drinking goals. But Um, So that's what I did. And then it was so compelling to me to become a life coach. And now I specifically help women stop over drinking and start living the life that they want to live. And that is solving those underlying issues of why we're drinking in the first place. It's not about the alcohol, just like it's not about the food. It's about why you're doing it in the first place. Right. Right. Well, I think that's so important because that's the way that I tackle weight loss, which I think what we're both doing is very different than what the industry does, which is, you know, it's all fine. And like, you can go out and get a trainer and you can go out and get a food plan and stuff, but that in and of itself just tells you what to do. But if you're like, if you're eating because you're miserable, you need to figure out why you're miserable and let's work on your mindset around it. So much of people just don't really make the connection that if you change your life first, then all of a sudden giving up drinking, giving up your overeating and stuff, you have no more reason to need it. Yes. So if we just, and this is the other weird thing to me, it's like people will, even when they join No BS, <laughs> they will fight me tooth and nail on the journaling piece. And I'm oh like, gosh. But this is the piece that helps you feel better. Right. And they are insistent that, no, this is the piece that'll make me feel bad. I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. Like the whole idea in all of it is let's get you feeling better because you change your outlook on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know how to talk to yourself like a boss. 
You start looking at the things that you're going to do. Like if you're going to stop drinking, you start talking about it like it's a gift and not a burden. Yes. Like we teach you how to do those things. Like you and I are so good at teaching people how to do that so that when it comes to like tonight, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm not going to eat pie at eight o'clock. I'm going to talk to myself so well because I'm training myself. It feels right. Right. It doesn't feel like deprivation and restrictions. So, and you, I don't remember what podcast it was. It may have been your recent urge one that you did, but you talked about like, we need to solve what you're thinking about your work, what your, your relationship yourself, so that you're not looking for a freaking escape at the end of the day from that shit. And your urges will be so much less when you clean up the way you're thinking about the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, people will tell me, like I do so good all day long. And then by the end of the day, I'm just exhausted. Yep. And they act like it's their job or their kids and stuff that are exhausting them. And then when I ask them questions, it's like, well, my kid was doing this today. And I just thought, oh my God, I must be a terrible mother. Only my kid is doing that. And so I'm yelling at them. And then I'm mad at myself for yelling at them. I'm like, okay, what your kid did is not the exhausting part. Right. It's you thinking you're a terrible mom. It's you thinking no one else ever has these problems but you. And then it's you beating yourself up because you had a human moment. Yeah. And it's like, that's the exhaustion. Yep. So if you want to quit ending the day exhausted, you don't need to say like, all right, kid for sale, $10 in the front yard. <laughs> Like, I'm going to end my exhaustion right now. Like, no, we have to, we have to let go of our, like our mindset that keeps us wanting to eat. We have to let go of our mindset that keeps us wanting to just take the edge off at night with a little wine. Yeah. I think too, like I read this, we can try to link up this article. I think I've bookmarked it, but it's like our brain likes to create drama so it can get an escape from it. So like when you're doing that repeatedly over and over again, it's like we create a such a bigger story than is absolutely necessary. Like if we, like you say, if you just stick to the facts, it's really freaking boring. Right. My kids said <laughs> this, my, my coworker sent me this email. And if we just kept it to the facts and let go of all the other drama in our head, we would not be seeking the escape at the end of the day. It's fascinating. I know. And it, that is the hardest part for people is to let go of the, um, like so many of us could actually be novelists. We could write amazing books about our lives. <laughs> so much drama in it. It's like, it's a compelling read. I always tell our girls when you are like, let's say you have an overeat or something. When you go into your accountability group, you better tell it and it better be a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. I don't want adjectives. I don't want to know about what you think about so-and-so. I don't even want to know what you think about yourself. I just want to know what happened. Yep. And I always tell them like, if they want to, if they're like, girl, tell me more, we have a problem. Yeah. They should be like, so like that, you know, that you are boiling your life down to what it actually is. If somebody can be like, so what? If it's that boring, then, because I think this is important and this is kind of just a concept coming to my head. It's like the, so what concept of like, if you can get it down to that little bit, then you can ask yourself, so what? Like mm-hmm. literally, you know, if I take all of my drama out and I'm looking at it, said like, I, like a lot of times I tell people, take a look at what you, like the non-dramatic version, then ask yourself, does that equal 
oh, you should for sure be drinking. Right. Because it won't match up. But it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's like your brain is says, but I really want wine. Mm-hmm. So let me just tell you, your boss actually hates you. Yeah. Every single day, your boss thinks about a thousand ways to make your life miserable. And that's why they asked you to work extra today. Yep. No, it's crazy, right? But I think just knowing that about the brain too, and like educating yourself about it and in the way we teach it, it's, it's liberating to know that there's nothing wrong with you. And you really helped me do that in the self-love workshop. Like, you know, I was spinning out in my own brain thinking there was something wrong with me because I didn't love myself all the time, which I had done so much work on loving myself and then seeing it, like sometimes we can't see it without the help from our coaches. <laughs> right. But like just knowing that that's normal, of course, like your brain is going to do that because its job is to protect you, right? Like there's, if you can think about it too, when you do overeat and overdrink and remove the shame from that action that you're doing by understanding that why the brain is doing that in the first place. And it's really is like, because it thinks you're suffering. Well, tell us a little bit more about that. So just for my podcast listeners who don't yeah. really understand the, the deep cuts version of how we, we understand the brain. Yeah. Why does the brain um, ask for booze? Why does it tell us that we're a terrible human being? Like mm-hmm. give them a little background of the brain science. Yeah. So I think just looking at the motivational triad, right? We're programmed to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy. So when you think about if you're feeling stressed, that doesn't feel good, right? That, does, that feels like pain to us in our brain. And so your brain, when it's in that moment, thinks, oh, we're suffering here. We need to get you some pleasure so we can stay alive and that you can conserve your energy. So it's going to motivate you in that moment to go figure out how to do that, right? And if you've been treating your brain and rewarding it with food and alcohol in that moment, that's gonna be the first idea that it delivers you to get out of that suffering, right? right? So, and then when when you give into it in that moment, it just creates that very strong neural pathways. Like this is what we do when we feel this way, no matter what it is. Oh, that worked last time when you felt stressed out. Let's try that again this time because that helped you feel less, right? Right. So that's the basics of it. And so when you are suffering and you have an overdrink and we go into the shame cycle, that feels bad for us. And the shame or the guilt just drives more of the same behavior, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really work with our girls on, especially my binge eaters. We've got a binge eating course running right now for all of our members. And I always tell everybody, I think like the key piece when it comes to ending over drinking and ending overeating is step one always has to be, you've got to remove the shame from it. Like you have to start talking to yourself differently. And and that always starts number one with just understanding Mm -hmm. if you are making yourself out to be the bad guy because you're drinking or because you're eating. Yeah. It's the horrible things we say to ourselves. The reason why I always tell people before you can ever tackle not drinking and before you can ever tackle not overeating and anything, number one, every single time you have an overeat or overdrink, the first step is always unlearning the conversation you have with yourself. Because step two is always looking at what's going on and trying to understand, you know, well, why did I do it in the first place? What are my patterns? What are my habits and all this other stuff? But step one has to be done. And most people want to just be like, I, here's what I want to do. I want to feel extra terrible and motivate myself through shit talk to stop doing it. It's like, 
that's never worked. It never will work. Get over the idea that that's going to be something. It's so hard for people to let that go though, because they think that if they, you know, put their, you know, take their foot off the brake or the gas or whatever you want to say, it's like, then they're going to be complacent. And that is not what we're talking about here at all. Right? Like it's not complacency to stop shaming yourself. It's loving to stop shaming yourself. And when yes. you love, then you do more, right? You do. Exactly. That's the thing I think. And that is such a hard concept because if you're going to stop shaming, a lot of people say, well, then I'm just going to say, well, it's okay. Right. That is, like when I love, like if, if I over drink or I overeat, I don't go ham on myself with a bunch of like, girl, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I also don't go, well, it's okay. Right. That's not love. That, exactly. That's dismissive. Yep. I usually tell myself things like, you know, um, I really want to understand why this happened because Mm -hmm. I know this isn't what I want for myself. Right. And I want these things for myself. I want better for myself. I want to wake up feeling this way. I Mm -hmm. owe it to myself to understand what's going on so that I can come up with new things to do. That's more of a loving conversation. Yep. You know, yeah. it's kind of like what you would say to your kid. Like if your kid comes home and they punch somebody in the face for no reason, you wouldn't say, well, that's okay. But you also don't have to say you're the meanest child in the whole wide world. You don't deserve my love. Get out. Yeah. yeah. It's not so black and white. I think that's what is hard for people to think. Well, if I'm not beating myself up and I'm not hard on myself, then I'm not going to, I'm just going to be complacent and not do it. It's not, there is a, there is a middle ground there that's loving from curiosity openness that feels so much better when you're in the shame cycle you can't evaluate you literally like your brain just shuts down and closes off to being open to thinking about it differently so and that's so funny because it's like most of us are eating and drinking because a lot of people are in a shame cycle over something that happened in the day like a a lot of my moms run into this especially right now like they're just living in a shame cycle. Like I'm not a good enough uh, teacher because my kids at home learning online. Um, I'm not good enough because my kids seem to be stir crazy being home all the time. Like kids will do any little thing. And I watch the moms immediately make it mean they're not good enough of a mother. And they're in that shame cycle and then they're eating and then they go into the next shame cycle. Well, now I'm not good enough of an eater. Now I'm not even getting my goals. Like, no, it just it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't. It just like shame begets shame, just like hate begets hate, all of that shit. It just packs and packs and packs. And then that's why we numb yeah. constantly. And I think it's funny because it's like, for our people, it, something you said that was so good is, you know, we, it's so black and white. It's like, we, we only know two ways. Well, I either have to do like the diet industry and, and I will say, I think the, the drinking industry has kind of been the same way where like, if you're going to, like, if you're going to stop drinking or you're going to stop overeating, Mm -hmm. the only path is the suffering path. Right. We're very conditioned that it should feel hard and stuff. Well, guess what? If you think it should feel hard, that's not even just what you eat or what you do and do not do. There's a lot of like, okay, I need to talk to myself like it's hard. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about it like it's hard. I need to talk about me like it's hard. I got to create the hard narrative. Yeah. And it's like, so we're either there or we are completely like, well, I'm just not doing nothing. I'm in complacentville. I'm all this other stuff. Yeah. So like for all my listeners, I would challenge you to say like, okay, 
if I was going to make a, a have an overeat or have an overdrink, what is the loving conversation I have with myself that allows me to ideate, to create, to move forward, to find solutions, to figure out my next best step. Mm -hmm. Like thinking about it like that, like allowing your brain to go to work on it in that way versus just, well, I'm not supposed to shame myself. I guess since I don't, since I'm not taught, like I'm not conditioned to think any other way, I'm lost. So I'll just keep beating myself up. Right. I think like having a strategy ahead of time, knowing that you're not going to ever be perfect on this shit <laughs> and dropping the whole, like, I got to do, especially with people with an alcohol and they want to take, like, say they want to take a 30 day break or something, or they want to not drink during the week to expect 100% perfection on that. Just set yourself up for failure. Know that there's going to be some fails along the way, even with the eating, right? Like, come on. So let me ask you this. So you, you are a proponent of if you're going to, if you're going to do this and you have like, cause my listeners have weight and drinking primarily, you suggest that they tackle both at the same time. I think if both are an issue for you, you should tackle both at the same time. I I I talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think like I have advised one or the other, Mm -hmm. but I, but here's the thing. I don't think it matters as much in my opinion Mm -hmm. for you guys. I want you to hear both sides and then do the one that feels right. One thing you did say that I want to caution everyone on is people who stop overeating often continue the drinking and it amplifies Mm -hmm. because they are not addressing the underlying issues And the same thing with drinking Mm -hmm. the whole like this is not just about the habit right the habit is the outward expression of what's going on on the inside so go ahead and talk about your your theories yeah I think too if you to kind of back up, if you want to tackle both, you can, and that's what I did and it worked. If you don't want to say, I want to tackle both, you don't have to, but what you don't want to do is make decisions about food or alcohol, wherever, whatever is your priority in the moment anymore. And when yeah. you do that, then by default, you're going to stop over drinking and by default, you're going to stop overeating. <laughs> right. Right. So like if you want to keep drinking, that's fine, but just plan in advance, put it on your plan. Don't make decisions in the moment. So you, I think it's easier to kind of look at both at the same time is because if you're over drinking, it's because you're drinking from an emotional place. You are making decisions in the moment to drink based on how you feel or you don't want to feel. If you are overeating, it's the same thing, right? Like if you're eating more than your body needs, it's usually because you're doing it to solve some other issue and that's your emotions. <laughs> so when you take that off the table and you commit to yourself and you say, I'm not going to make these decisions from an emotional place, by default, you stop overeating and overdrinking at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. Cause I was going to say, basically like if it was, I would just say it this way to make it it's, so that everybody has an easy, uh, I'm either doing A or I'm doing B. Yeah. So we're going to do both, right? A people, if you want to really focus on the weight in terms of like, I want to see weight loss, Mm -hmm. then you're going to make your plans to where your weight loss is like, here's what I'm, I'm really, you know, trying new things with my food. I'm making my plan every day. I'm doing, you know, Corinne's four basics, like a boss. Like I'm going to really focus there with my drinking. I'm still going to have drink plans, Mm -hmm. but I'm, it's super doable. Like there's no, I'm not trying to cut back drinking. I'm not trying to do any of that, but I will not drink unless I've wrote it down on my plan 
And if let's say you're a bottle of night girl, mm-hmm. then you'd put down a bottle of night while you're working on getting super consistent over here with weight loss. Now I'm going to tell everybody it's fucking hard to lose weight during a bottle of wine every night. Just saying. I mean, unless you're going from two bottles a night to a bottle a night, then, yeah, then you know, story, there but. you go. But like, if, like if you're like, you know, I could do just one bottle, right? <laughs> but then the other happens is if you're really wanting to work on your drinking, because I think a lot of times people want to start with the drinking because it's mm-hmm. like, like I'm used to being overweight, but I'm really sick and tired of waking up hungover every morning. And I'm really sick and tired of like, it's starting to, you know, give me heartburn. Like there might be some physical suffering that's harder on alcohol. I know for me, that was one of the big things that helped me with reducing mine the last couple of years Mm -hmm. is that I really did a lot of journaling on how I felt the next day mm-hmm. and really focused on what price I was paying to continue to drink for fun. Yeah. To continue to drink for whatever, like my list of reasons. Mm-hmm. And eventually my brain got so used to writing about the downside, not shaming myself, but just like today is a lot harder. You know, I ended up sleeping in, I got behind in my work, which meant I had to work a little later. Like, you know, I was like, really honest about the price I was paying Yeah. to where when we would think about going out just because we wanted to for the day, mm-hmm. I was like, I would say to Chris, you know, I know it'll be fun. Gosh, I just don't think I want to tomorrow wake up late. Like I just, I really want to get things done and that kind of stuff. And so that started working. But if you're going to start with the drinking, I would be figuring out what your minimum baseline is. I would be journaling about it and writing about it and doing all of those things. And then with the food side, super doable. Do not like just follow the four basics, but have like have snacks, have everything, but have everything on your plan to where the decisions to eat are conscious. Yeah. But that, like, so you're not adding food because you're agitated because you're not drinking. Exactly. But it's like, I'm not drinking tonight and I'm agitated because normally I would like to. If you have food planned, just make sure it's like, and the only food I have is the food I plan. Maybe it's, if you do want to plan your two cookies and stuff, it's about that. I'm going to do both at the same time, but I'm doing it deliberate as hell. Yeah. So that I'm no, because the problem with overeating and the problem with over drinking is there's a reason why you're wanting to turn your brain off. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you're going to ever know your reasons is to no longer turn your brain off. Exactly. You do not have to teetotal it on either side in order to hear that. But if you get conscious and deliberate and you're like, all right, it's time for my planned snack and I'm going to eat it at the table instead in front of the TV, whatever was bothering you, you, you start sucking some of the joy out of the drinking and the eating the real reason behind why you want to be there to begin with starts illuminating. Yes. Yeah. I would say too, like you got to give yourself an opportunity. Like, you know, if it's, if it's a big stretch for you to say, I'm going to have only have four glasses of wine, then like put that on your plan, but just know when you do drink the wine and you're trying to lose weight, you do miss your brain's thoughts about the other areas in your life that are wanting you to eat the things anyway. So it's like, yeah, you can follow a plan all day and you can, you can get really good at honoring that plan, but you got to give your brain some space in there to not have something on board 
and dopamine levels going up so that you can uncover the reasons why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge yourself a little bit so you can see the obstacles, right? Yeah. And I think it's a lot of like, I've encouraged clients before. It's like, you know, when we do a planned binge or we do a planned yeah. overeat or something, or even like planned drinking, mm-hmm. I tell them like at some point, like at first, I just want them to get really good at being like, all right, this is what I said I would do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I don't have the skill of doing what I said I would do. So first yeah. step for me is just getting really good at, all right, I'm going to do the things I say I'm going to do. And that doesn't always equal weight loss right. in the immediate mm-hmm. long term. The version of you who loses her weight and the version of you who's not drinking. Yes. She's doing the things she says she's doing, but she's learned how to do more things yeah. that get her there. Mm-hmm. But if you need that skill, that's why I tell you guys, start with a doable plan, start with doable drink plans, start with all of that. But there comes a point where if, if, you're, if your end goal is to lose weight, if the scale's not moving, that means that it's time to go to the next step. Mm-hmm. Like in and of itself, the doable plan and doing what you say you will do does not equal weight loss always. It's yeah. just the first step. The yeah. next step is to say, okay, now that I'm really good at doing what I say I'm going to do, I can up the ante a little bit on what I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I'm going to try not drinking. Now, I, this is my suggestion. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> I, when I first started, I picked easy things to not drink at. Mm. Like, so, um, we would go like a lot of times at events, sometimes I will end the evenings with two glasses of wine. Mm -hmm. And for me at an event, that was the easiest place for me to say like, all right, I'm just not going to drink. But on the one night where we interview me and Chris and we have our drinks together, Mm -hmm. that was an easy one for me because it was just as easy to say no as it was to say yes. So I plan to not have them. I gave myself the wins. I experienced what sitting in a restaurant without drinking was like, without it being just like date night, all my friends and a party going on. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think, go ahead. No, I think that's a great idea. Like look at where I, so this is what I recommend too about allowing urges. It's the same thing. Like allow an urge, work through urges by not picking up your phone, get good at doing that. And working through an urge, and then you'll have more skill in the bigger moments when you really want to show up. So I think that's a very similar type of strategy. It's like, make it easy for yourself. Yeah. You know, you don't have to like, what I did was, you know, a little wild in the beginning. Like I went 90 days without drinking in the very beginning and when I was trying to lose weight. So, cause I was just like, I want to solve this, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I put myself in hard situations frequently and a lot <laughs> just because I wanted to be uncomfortable and work through that. And that worked for me, but that doesn't mean that it works for everybody. And so I think looking at what you're willing to do and what you can pick off your little wins makes a lot of sense for most people. Well, and I think that it's, it's one or the other. I think you just have to decide which, which, um, which person are you? And it comes down to your motivation. Mm -hmm. You didn't tell yourself you have to do it for 90 days and that you're going to have to go faster. You literally did it with mindset of, I want to learn faster. I want to get through this part of it as quickly as I can. So I'm willing to set myself up to go through you know, scenarios where I know that I'm going to have a lot of urges, but that was you, but that's, and I think this is where my, my people get into host is they were like, well, isn't that really restrictive? And I tell them, no, 
Mm-mm. Restriction comes from your mindset. If you had a said, there's no way um, I'm going to be able to do this unless I give it up for 90 days. So I'm just going to have to take a 90 day break. It's probably going to suck yeah. and blah, blah, blah. That's restriction thinking. Yeah. And I think people get that mixed up very often. There's restriction as what we do mm-hmm. in order to get our goals, but restriction that way is a like, I chose this. Right. It's different. It, it comes about where, where it's coming from. Mine was coming from excitement and hope and determination. Yes. The restriction that you're talking about comes usually out of a shame cycle. And they're like, I'm just, I'm so done with this. I have to go to extreme measures. I'm miserable. And then I'm like, I'm not drinking for a month. You know what I mean? Yes. That is not where it came from me at all. Like yes. I was very excited internally. I was hopeful about it. It felt really loving to give myself that break. And I didn't, it wasn't like I said, I'm going to do a 90 day break. I wanted to stop drinking until I got to my goal weight. And I'm like, if it takes me a year, I'm willing to take a year. It just so happened that it ended at 90 days. Yeah. So. Well, it is, I think a lot of people just get restriction confused. I mm-hmm. try to tell people all the time. It's like restriction. is just something that you do. It's just like when um, Brooke always talks about this. Those of us who are married practice a lot of restriction. We don't go bone the first good looking guy we pass on the street. We're very restricted in our marriage. Just be like, it's me and you bro all day, every day, you know? And so when we think about it like that, it's like, oh, restriction is just a choice I'm making. But where we get hosed up is we feel restricted. We confuse the action of restriction with the feeling of restriction. That's right. So like for me, like ways that I restrict, um, I don't shop (laughs) late at night and I don't do it on the weekends because my cart gets magically full and, you know, it's like lucky charms and all kinds of stuff. So I always like, if I'm going to buy things online, I do fill carts, but I have like a certain time on my calendar Mm -hmm. once a week where I go in and if I do want to buy things, one, I've thought about it. I'm not just impulse buying. I've set myself up. That's a restriction behavior, but it comes from not Corinne, you suck. There's no way you can like buy clothes. Like I don't talk to myself like that and then say like, now I'm going to have to take away everything from you because there's no way that you could ever shop responsibly. Right. No, all I do is go ahead. No, it's just like a boundary that we put on for ourselves and that is loving. When we do that for ourselves, when we show up and we're deliberate and we think about things and then we show up for ourselves, we like to have that. Like that, we need, like the whole planning your day, having that boundary for yourself, planning your food, planning your alcohol, planning your shopping experience. It serves us because when we know when we do it, we have put in the, the power from our higher part of our brain behind it. And it's not coming from a need or a lack or something missing in your life. Well, and I think that that's what's important because it's like, there's plenty of areas in life where we, we do some type of restriction. We do it with our kids all the time. It's like, all right, no phones after eight o'clock at night. Right. You need to get like, I remember I couldn't be on the phone past eight o'clock when I was a teenager mm-hmm. for a very good reason. Cause I'd stay up till one in the morning talking on exactly. it. It was restrictive. It wasn't yeah. because my mother was like, you're a horrible person, Corinne. You can't have your phone. Right. It was, I, no, you need to get your ass in bed so that you can I, perform tomorrow. I, I have a boundary with myself. I do not look at my phone until after I've journaled and made my food plan for the day. Yeah. So and it's that like feels when, hard sometimes. I'm like, I really, yeah. 
there's something in there. I know that some calling the name. You know what I mean? Somebody's like, on me. I just no, know it. I'm not going to do it. And I do. I'm like, I'm not going to do that because if I don't, if I do pick up that phone before I've done my work, then my whole day is just off. And I don't have the, the open brain space that I need to create and get in and set my intention for the day and all that. Cause I've dirtied it up with the, the media and the emails and the alerts and everything in my brain, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's just like, when it comes to all of this, I think at the heart of it, when we talk about the shame and the restriction, those two things are the two things that get people in trouble the most. Yeah. And it's like, if you can build a relationship with, and you don't have to use the word restriction if it kills you. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times people like just, somebody just has such a terrible working definition with something that's hard, but it's like, mm-hmm. just think about loving guidelines. What yeah. are the like guardrails for me? What yeah. are the things I'm going to put into place that feel really good are coming from a good heart mm-hmm. coming from like, I really want the best for myself. I'm going to do or not do these things when it comes to alcohol. And when it comes like one of my um, loving guardrails or restrictions, whichever one you want to call it, that comes from a loving place is I don't drink at home. Mm. I have found, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to drink in front of my son. Mm-hmm. If I'm drinking at home, it's not as special. You know, part, I was like really unwinding my entire drink habit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love when I drink is when I actually go someplace and I'm dressed up and I'm with my husband and it's an event. Yeah. And I just started telling myself, unless it's going to be special and an event, it's not worth it anymore Yeah. to just do it at home. Mm-hmm. And so we quit drinking at home a long time ago. Yeah. And for me, that came from this really loving place. Mm-hmm. And so for you guys, I want you thinking about that as you put up, you know, call it, you know, here's my rules, here's my boundaries, here's my loving guardrails, whatever you want to call it around your eating and your drinking. Just think about those things, mm-hmm. but they've got to come from like, either love. And I know a lot of my clients and probably yours too, probably have a hard time loving themselves. Sometimes it has to come from like, if you were, I I use this a lot and I use this in self-love. So you'll remember this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be um, the gift of the parent to yourself. The mother to yourself. Yeah. Like the one you always wanted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell everybody. Some of us had amazing parents. Yeah. Well, some of us had amazing parents, but sometimes like there were, we can remember areas where we're like, if I could have had any mom who said anything, it would be these things. The beauty of being at our age, once you get, you know, past 18, you get to do the do over anytime you want. Yeah. You know, you get to say like, I'm going to parent myself in the best ways and the most loving ways. And here's how I would, here's the things that I would do for myself and say to myself and stuff. Mm -hmm. So no, I love it. I think putting that under the umbrella of self-love, like the restriction or the boundaries or whatever it is, this is what we have a whole month inside my program on loving yourself. And it's like, sometimes it says, no, sometimes it says, no, we don't need to do that right now. Sometimes it's being with the shame and processing that through and feeling uncomfortable and validating your own feelings like that feels hard and it doesn't correlate to feeling what love, what we think of love feels like that emotion of love, but saying no to yourself and working through those uncomfortable feelings is love. It's respectful to yourself. It serves you every single time and it helps you achieve your goals faster, but it doesn't always feel like that warm glow of love. Right. I think people get confused of that sometimes. 
So I think the bottom line is basically when it comes to drinking and weight loss combined, it's that you need to figure out what's really going on with yourself. Mm -hmm. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're willing to love yourself enough to find it. Yeah. You know, so, all right. Tell, let me tell everybody about what you're doing for us. And then you'll tell everybody about how they can find you. So for Mm -hmm. all of my members who are listening to this podcast, Angela is our guest host um, with the most in January. So we've been doing these four-week series where I've been bringing in experts like Angela to teach our members a four-week class on something that, um, you know, helps with weight loss and just helps with their journey. We've had parenting, which we needed parenting bad this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, did, we've done binging. And you're going to be doing a four-week um, class on drinking and weight loss and just helping our members with um, unwinding some habits and stuff. So my members can look forward to that in January, but everybody else who's not one of my members who listens, how can they find you? What do you do? And um, like, give us all the information. Thank you. I'm super excited to do the course and I'm super excited to be there for your members. It's so fun. And I'm a member, so (laughs) it'll be It's like a full circle moment. Um, so you guys, the easiest way to find me would be to just look up my stop over drinking and start living podcast. It's on iTunes, all the players. We just put our, it on YouTube now. So it's just everywhere. You just type in stop over drinking and start living and you'll find it. And then and I just listened to episode 101. So you nice. can listen, you can get to binge listen on her. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we just celebrated our huge 100th episode. I had a bunch of people on some of my clients and past clients. It was super fun. Um, and then my website, AngelaMasenic.com, you can sign up. That's probably the best way to like, if you go to my website, there'll be a little pop up there that you can get my top three podcast episodes emailed to you. And then you'll be on my email list and then you'll get all the information, like a lot of free classes I teach and workshops and things like that. And then how to join me in my six month stop over drinking and start living program, which is super amazing. It's awesome. Um, we will put all the links to in the show notes so that you all can find it. So if you can easily get there. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate that you're going to work with our members in the month of January. I, uh, love bringing in experts. I just, I, I want my members to just have the best. And so, and I think you've been doing an amazing job and I'm just glad you agreed to come and help us. <laughs> we got to make this stuff fun y'all. Like this is That's not great. something we should want to be worried about and start restriction in January. Like we can have fun and stop over drinking and lose weight at the same time. So exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And guys, I will talk to you next week. Y'all have a good one. Wasn't that amazing. I love Corinne. Corinne, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. If you want to go listen to Corinne's podcast, you can just search Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne on iTunes. You can also go to her website. It's fitandfat.com, P-H-I-T-N-P-H-A-T.com, and click on her blog and podcast link, and you will have many, many episodes to listen to. I think she's almost to 200 at this point. And she also wanted me to let you know that her program opens for enrollment at the end of March. She actually has a really awesome free four-week course about weight loss that if you want to get, you can also find that on her fitandfat.com website. So go check her out. 
And if you want to join me in my program, I am actively enrolling women to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living coaching program. You can click through to the link to watch a few videos and get your applications in. I love you all so much and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, one more thing. I'm having a free class this Friday called Beyond Dry January. I'm actually having a class this Friday and one the following week. So click through the link to sign up for that free class and I'm giving you some awesome tactics and things that you can do that will help you be successful in the type of relationship that you want to have with alcohol all year, not just during dry January. And you, you can come and participate in the class, ask me live questions. And even if you didn't participate in dry January, which is taking a break from alcohol during the month of January, you will still get a lot of valuable tips and advice that you can apply right now to stop over drinking and set yourself up for success for 2021 and beyond. Talk to you soon, my friends. Didn't